today, we're taking our next step. Like I said, we're starting with our eyes up, but we're going to continue this discipline, which we have been calling words to live by. And so the question that we, we, um, we've been asking has come up repeatedly. How do we bring our spirituality intentionally into the regular world that we live in? How can we take what seems to be a separate world and bring it into this world? And we're going to be talking about this same idea next week, but in a totally different way, from a totally different angle. Next week, we're going to talk about being peacemakers. And that is to live in two worlds at the same time. So what do we do with the messages that we are being sent? What do we do with those messages that we are receiving from around us? And let's be honest, folks. It has been a very busy week. I'll remind you one word and see if what comes to your mind. Manchester. Women and girls. What do we do with the message that tells us that these new targets are intentionally the innocent? Intentionally the defenseless. Intentionally women and girls. These are not traditional military targets. They are the exact opposite of that. And what does our real world response look like? Is it anger? Despair? Retribution? How do we manage and live out our calling? What should we do to align our personal thoughts with our allegiance to Jesus? How do these things fit together? But it was a busy week. So there's been a Muslim uprising in the Philippines, in the south of the Philippines, and the president of the Philippines said this Wednesday, I think, if I think that you should die, you will die. If you fight us, you will die. If there is open defiance, you will die. And if it means many people dying, so be it. The militants in the south of the Philippines, are embedded in the general population, which means they're anywhere. They're everywhere. They're sitting beside you. They live beside you. Wherever you go, there's no way to distinguish them. The southern third of the nation has now been put under martial law. That means 22 million people have been put under martial law a martial law that has already been shown in the Philippines to be quickly deadly, frequently with no sense of a trial. And if this unrest lingers, the president has stated clearly that he will put the entire country under martial law. The Philippines is about 101 million people living under martial law where their president has said there are going to be a lot of people who die. That's going to be okay. 
What's our response? It's not what, don't, 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 don't think about what our government should do or what somebody else's government should do because that's somebody else's job. What is your response? What are you called to do in that time? And that, that's, a, that's a large picture um, beyond the scope of us, but it reflects the question that many of us are, are forced to live with all the time. How do we become able to live wisely in the midst of the muck? Typically, when we pray, we pray and we expose our desire to flee from circumstances. God, save me. God, deliver me. Take away the hard things. Make things easier for me. But our God has shown us time and time again repeatedly that it is his desire, and sometimes he does that, right? Sometimes he takes us right out. Sometimes he removes all those things. Absolutely, he's done it millions of times. But the prescribed plan that God chooses to work with is almost always that God transforms our hearts and our minds to live more freely within the same circumstances, and we go, that's not what I wanted. That's, what I want is it to stop. But you're not talking about stopping. You're saying, I can live in it, but I don't want to live in it. This is part of the process of our minds being transformed. Freedom in the midst of challenge. So as we battle, I want to remind you that we are called to come through. We come through. We bear up under and we overcome. And we have seen that in our midst as a church, as individuals here, that over the last year we have seen people with tremendous burdens come together with our own people who are here who are already burdened and already broken. That's what we're like here. We are already burdened. We're already broken. But we've seen these other people come in who feel this an enormous weight, and we have seen the Spirit of God empower and enable these same people to be transformed and in the process of being transformed so that they can now live more freely in the midst of the same circumstances. A very simple and tremendously effective way to practice self-deception is not to think too much about the integrity of my responses my words, and my actions. So when we have a bombing in Manchester or we have um, an uprising in the Philippines, I feel like it's okay for me to distance my thoughts about what should happen from my relationship to Jesus. I can have a response. And a very simple way to affect self-deception in your own life is to think that the way that you respond doesn't matter. It's, it's of no consequence. So it makes the, my mental trash talk, it makes my, my negative, my angry thinking, we think, well, it doesn't really matter. That is self-deception. And as we've looked at the last couple of times we've been doing Words to Live By, we came to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is where Paul, the apostle, he writes... A letter, And in this letter, he tries to sum up what he believes about God and the way God works in the world. Fantastic, very, very deep, dense, thick letter. But in this place, one of my favorite verses is Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, but we're going to just look at 2 today. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. 
So what are the responses that you have heard in your world? What have those looked like? What have those sounded like? You hear it on the news. You can see it on social media. You're well aware of what those responses look like. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't think there's too many people who don't want to know God's will for them. Some people say they don't care what God's will is for them. But I don't think there's too many people who would come to church who would say, I'm completely uninterested in God's will for me. Then you will know. So here's the plan, okay? Here's the boots on the ground strategy plan. How do we as individuals, part of a community, how do we do this? And we start, we jump now to 2 Corinthians. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. No, we do it in a different way. And it doesn't seem to make sense. And we want to argue against it because it doesn't seem to be effective or efficient. How can it possibly make a difference? Why would it matter if we come through, if we bear up under and we overcome? I want to destroy. I want to remove. I want to um, take advantage of and show power over. That's what I want to do. But we don't wage war as the world does. So the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have power, divine power, to demolish strongholds. And so we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, we, we don't just live in the physical world as if that was somehow possible. We are always living in two overlapping worlds at once, and, at once, and really, it, 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 honestly, it is just one world, but we separate it. We live in a spiritual and a physical world, but we focus on the physical all the time. But the spiritual is more powerful, and it requires attention, and it requires development. We have a health culture in Canada, in North America. So I would say that many of you are well acquainted with going to the gym, going to get a workout. And we have to do those things. We have to care in that way. But what do you do to cross-train? What do you do to build your spiritual side? How have you balanced that with the physical side? What, what level of mindset have you even placed on spiritual development? Because we don't wage world we don't wage war as the world does because our battle is not against flesh and blood. And yet our natural desires are to take us always in that direction. And if you believe that the spiritual world is of greater significance, then your fight against flesh and blood always leads to futility because it doesn't actually solve the problem that you thought you were trying to solve. God is the one who demolishes the strongholds. God is the one who removes the arguments. God is the one who transforms us in this. So today, our next step in words to live by, 
We've done a couple of weeks already leading to this place. And because these are significant, we're trying to do smaller bits at a time. So you can actually bite these and take them and use them. So today, part three, declarations. What I want you to do is to encourage God first every day. So what do we do? We seek God in the first of the day. We worship and focus on God at the first of the week. We return with thanks the first of our increase, the first of our income back to God through the local church. We intentionally, physically put God first. We intentionally, spiritually put God first first. There must be a balance there. So if you put God first in every single day, and you spend time with him, and you pray even just for a couple of minutes, and if you feed on his word, and you speak aloud what he says is truth, that discipline, what you're doing there, that practice, that art form, that skill, we're going to call words to live by. That can completely change your thinking. So as we go along, I'm going to give you some suggested statements. And these kind of statements need to be spoken out loud. They change your thinking, and that change of thinking might completely change your way of living. And I'm going to challenge you. There's empty lines on your, um, the paper handout. And I'm going to challenge you to come up with five, three, seven, 12, you know, whatever number you need, but to come up with statements of your own. What is it that you need to focus on, your very own words to live by, that you will declare over and over and over again? So maybe you're worried. Maybe worry is one of the things that you carry with you all the time. Your statement might be something like this. Because of Christ I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares through me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling in my mind day in, day out. You declare that statement by faith, not because you completely feel it, but because that's true and that's what you're trying to get yourself to believe. You need to repeat what is true so that you can remember it. Maybe you don't know God's will for your life. What does he want me to do? Every day, say this. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him, and daily he directs my step. I know his voice, and he leads me to his perfect will. Maybe you're lacking confidence. And so every single day, you're going to say this. My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because his spirit lives within me, I can do everything that he calls me to do. Maybe the whole problem started a little bit before that and you're having problems with your consistency. I'm inconsistent in my time with God. And you're going to say this, you might not feel it at first. It might not seem like it's true. But if you keep saying it, You will put the truth into your head and you might actually get to where you believe that this is true. I love the living and dwelling presence of my good God. Praying is as important as breathing to me. God's word nourishes my soul. I depend on his presence every moment of every day. 
Again, this might feel silly at first, but you say it over, and you say it over, and you say it over, and what happens? You are consistently speaking what is true, and in doing that, God is renewing your mind. He's changing the way you think. Put it like this. You've already been making statements to yourself regularly. The statements that you say when you're worried about the test that's coming. The statements that you say when you can't find that person that you want to be with. The statements that you say when it feels like things have gone wrong again. The statements that you say to yourself when you're looking forward to this year's appraisal. You already make declarations and you make them regularly. You just tend to make them negative. You tend to not focus on the truth. You tend to focus on lies. And what we're trying to do is just to reshape the way you're thinking. So what we're doing is kind of like learning a new language. That's what we're trying to do. We're um, endeavoring to speak and to interact and think in a new language. So imagine you're learning a new language, okay? Perhaps it's French through school. I know a lot of our students here, you're learning French at school. And you're, you're, imagine that you are better at speaking French than anybody else in your class. However, you know that even being the best in your class, you know that you're still not great at French. But now, a wonderfully intriguing French foreign exchange student arrives, comes into your class, and you're excited and you begin to converse with him or converse with her. And you come with a little bit more confidence. You might say, bonjour, je m'appelle Jean-Luc Francois. And when that person speaks to you in French, you would hear her speak in French. And then you would translate it to English in your mind. You'd think in English in your mind. And then you would translate it into French, and you would try to speak that out in French. And you know if you've tried to do this, that it's incredibly awkward. This is frustrating. So when you're learning a language, this makes you say, ah, I don't want to bother. Because it feels disjointed. Um, it feels cumbersome. It's hard to understand. It slows things down. There's, it's not fluid. There's no flow. But through rep repetition... And through genuine engagement, somewhere, at some point in the conversation, something just switches in your brain. When she spoke in French, the switch, it just hit that time. And you heard her in French. And you thought in French. And you spoke in French. And when the switch got flipped, something changed on the inside. This is exactly the same principle that we are trying to facilitate, to help you, to move along in your faith. This is what can happen when you practice the discipline of words to live by. So you start your day in your regular way, right? I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't know if I'll be even able to get through this day. However, Christ has given me everything that I need. With him, I can do all things. The more you say it, not anything, statements that are based in truth. We take these statements straight from the word of God. The more you say it, the more you renew your mind. One day there will be a switch, and when that takes place, it will become a language that you speak, that you understand, 
and that you think in. This is not just theory. This is exactly what has happened in my life, and I know other people who have been in the same spot. Nothing changed about the circumstances. Sorry about that. Nothing changed about the circumstances or surroundings. In fact, sometimes they actually become more intense. But what changed was the way that I think, and when my thinking changed to become more consistent with God's truth, It completely transformed the way that I was able to live and to love and to participate in ministry. Now, as you're writing your statements, these statements work best when there is honesty in them, when there is humility in them, and when there is vulnerability baked right into your statement. When you identify in them what you struggle with, you'll be able to see that It'll be reflected in your statement, and then it will have greater meaning for you as your own words to live by. You will see the struggle. You admit the struggle. And then there's the solution from God's truth. So, I struggle with putting God first because there's so many things. They always seem so urgent. Urgent things. And I, and I really struggled choosing the important over the urgent. And it's an ongoing battle for me. And it's easy, regardless of what happens, to feel like a failure. So I would tell myself, I can't seem to get enough done at the church. There's just always something else. And because I also feel that way, I can't be the husband, I can't be the dad that I want to be at home. And so I tell myself that I'm not good enough. I can't get it all done. And that wasn't a statement of truth, that was a statement of failure. And it's a lousy burden to carry. So in the interest of trying to help you get the idea that this must be vulnerable, it must be honest, I'll be transparent with you. I love teaching. I love preaching. But the reality is, I know how distracted people are. I know how easy it is to miss church. And so the idea of consistently delivering a message that engages the heart and is spiritually accurate to transform the soul week after week, month after month, year after year to the same group of people, it can become draining and overwhelming to me. And I say, how do I keep that up? That's a real thing, okay? And then doing all that, leading the church, Overseeing the renovations, new ministries that we're trying to start, fundraising, organizing, administering, and the counseling every week can be a lot. It costs a lot of me. Leonard Sweet has just written a book, a very good book actually, about preaching, and it's called Giving Blood. And this is all about the pouring out of your life, giving this away. That's what this contact is about. Those are my issues, okay? Those are not my complaints. Please understand there is a very big difference. You can tell where my negative thoughts would go many days. So if you skip a day, and I skip some, I miss some, just pick it back up. This is what I declare, okay? Here are some of the words of life that I have used. This is what God has used to change the way that I think. And here are some of the true statements that we can say to ourselves. Maybe, maybe some of these statements will help you and they'll hit you where you are as well, okay? Here we go. Jesus is first in my life. 
I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and my children, and I will lay down my life to serve them. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will nurture, equip, train, and empower them to do more for this kingdom than they can imagine. I love people, and I will believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my family is closer, my mind is stronger, my faith is deeper, my leadership is sharper. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. With discernment and the power of the Holy Spirit within me, I will continue to design environments as a spiritual architect. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within me. My words, my thoughts, my imagination are all under the power of Christ. And I will take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering. I rejoice in suffering because Christ suffered for me. I will bring my best and then some. It's what I bring after I bring my best that makes the difference. This world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today, day in and day out, day in and day out. Declare it. Declare it. Declare it again and again and again until I believe it. Until I am changed by it. Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am called to make a difference in this world. I have the mind of Christ. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. That makes me powerful in the kingdom of God. These are statements of truth. I don't always feel them. I don't always live them out perfectly. But it's the direction I'm going. It's the truth that God has spoken to me. It's the truth that I need to reflect back to myself as well. And because of that, I long for you. I long for you to grow in your faith and your devotion to Jesus. And because of that burning passion, I would love to invite you again to join me in going before God and letting him change us into new people by changing the way that we think. No longer locked in a closet by a lie, but set free by truth. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when you declare it over and over and over again, you might just get to the place where you believe it too. Satan is the father of lies. And we are all well acquainted with lies. 
Jesus is the author of truth. And when you know the truth, he will set you free. That's why this practice is called words to live by. They give life and they direct us in life as well. And they direct us to our next step. Another letter from Paul teaching people how to live out this spiritual, physical world, how to mix symbol and physical, how to mix reality that we, we can touch with reality that we can't touch, the physical and the spiritual. And so we have already been in the habit, the practice of this mystical celebration. You'll realize it, you'll recognize it as I go here. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you declare, you make a statement. You are choosing words to live by. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That repetition, that focus gives us order gives us direction, and renews our commitment. This is a Checkpoint Sunday. Checkpoint Sundays, we remember what God has done. My life, distant past, ancient past. We reevaluate where we stand in our relationship today. Are you where you want to be? Are you connected in the way that you can be? We reevaluate, and then before we leave, we refocus. We reset our life. Don't live on the past of what went wrong. Repent. Forgiveness. Reset. Refocus before you leave. Repentance is not condemnation. Repentance is the guide to freedom. That's what we're calling you to today. So ask God, by his Holy Spirit, to speak to you. Is there something that you need to repent from? Thank him for giving you the gift of that awareness. Now repent from it. That seems to be a real challenge though, right? We're not so good at that part. I'm not done being mad. I'm not done being hurt. I'm not finished yet being bitter. I'm not fully able to put that back down. So God, help me with that part too. Help me to renew my mind so that I don't have to hurt like I hurt right now. God, help me to repent so that you can bring about freedom in me and you can bring about release. You can give me life and life abundant. You can give me the freedom that you have promised. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. 
And then don't stop there because you declare what is true after that. And Romans 8 teaches us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when those condemning thoughts come for things that have already been forgiven, you don't pick them up. Just drop it. It doesn't need to be an argument. Just drop it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ask what you need to repent for. Repent from it. Accept the forgiveness that you've been granted. And choose again to celebrate in the glorious life of Christ. We do all that with a physical symbol that reflects a spiritual reality. So we're going to take communion. It's at the back. When you are ready, once you've prepared your heart, once as far as you know you're clean, then come to the back. And back there you will find that there is bread and there is the cup. These are the symbols of what Christ did for us physically that have tremendous impact on us spiritually. One world, the physical and the spiritual, are stuck together. What you do matters. What you think matters. The way you live is reflected in those things. Choose wisely. Choose life. Kind Father, thank you for the gift that you prepared for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice that you willingly made on my behalf, on our behalf. Holy Spirit, continue to work in us, transforming our minds with truth, that we would be able to live free, full of joy, that others might be able to hear of the hope that is in Christ Jesus. Use us to make a difference today, but speak to us first right now, that we would be able to meet with you first as an individual, and then to continue meeting with you as a community. Speak to our hearts. Remind us that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and you are just, and you will forgive us our sin. You are faithful and you are just, and you will forgive us all of our sin and give us the gift of righteousness. Move this morning, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And now be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And the more we connect, the better it gets. Again, as you go, you're not leaving, you're being sent. So go as sent ones, remembering that you are Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and mission-focused. We are on mission, everyone, everywhere, all the time.